The 2023-24 hockey season is in full swing, and your Dallas Stars need you at American Airlines Center to help bring the intensity. Shot, tip, score! Don't miss your chance to experience the electrifying environment that Texas hockey has to offer this season. From huge hits to savage saves, American Airlines Center is the place to be as the Stars look towards the Stanley Cup. Secure your seats today at DallasStars.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush, the official podcast of the Dallas Stars, presented by Kingsville Brewery. Let's join the rush with your hosts, Daryl Razor Ray and Mike Heike. Back from the road, I feel like one of the 300 with my shield or on it. Only in my case, it's a Toomey backpack, not a shield. But same chiseled warrior, legendary legionaries. Mike, good morning. It's been hours since I've seen you. <laughs> uh, we spend more time together not talking to each other than yeah, we any, do, uh, we? any people in the world. Again, because we're warriors. You're, you're a right. keyboard warrior. And I don't, I'm just sort of a pillow and blanket warrior next to you. <laughs> hey, those seasons of struggling for 12 to 16 wins away from home and the auto losses in the back-to-backs seem like a different galaxy right now, right? Yes. You remember, like, they went, they went 12, 24, and 5 in Lindy Ruff's last season here, 2016-17, yeah. on the road. 12, and you, you could feel it when you were on the plane or the bus. Or oh, my God. It was just <laughs> depression every time you got on there. And the thing, speaking of that, the thing that is impressive with the crew now, I mean, they're not hanging any banners or anything. It's still mm -hmm. fairly businesslike. It's not like, oh, my God, look at us, 3-0 and on the road. They just kind of move forward. Players yep. to the back play their cards, sing their little song, happy that two tie, all tie. <laughs> and the coaches just bury themselves in their laptops and on to the next one. Yeah, they're working. Uh, yeah. You said you said about your junior days, I think you guys had some uh, lovely road trips back then. And it was just a feeling of going into somebody's town and just murdering them. And then walking out, just smiling. And I'm not doing it, but it's interesting walking out of these buildings and just seeing the defeated security guards and all the people who were so nice to you when you walked into the building. And they're just like, yeah, go on, get out of here. Uh, it's, it's an interesting. Especially, especially there. Yeah. I mean, they have a deep-rooted hatred of the stars of the South. Yes. 30 years of hatred now. And I think they're semi-resigned to the fact that this version of the stars is oodles better than this version of the Minnesota Wild. But just in general, I concur. Yeah. There, there has never been anything better, especially at my position. You yes. know, when you were a goaltender... Because you really do hold it in your palm a little bit. You can just shut everyone up. And I used to get the Daryl chants, Daryl, which is just music to your ears when yeah. you're on the road and at that position. Look, if you're sucking up a storm, they're not chanting your... No. Well, they might a little bit j just as <laughs> just you're getting to, pulled. Yeah. <laughs> just but the stars yeah. are, in fact, road warrioring... Warrioring... 
right now. 16 goals in the last three games alone. Yep. They've opened 7-1-1 and away from home. And in the only regulation loss, the Canucks had to shut them out. And to your point, Mike, it feels like they can beat teams in their own living room in different ways with different people leading the way right now. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's funny because in the pregame speech, it was really short, uh, but Pete was pretty animated yesterday on the whole uh, Minnesota taking dumb penalties. And, and even beforehand, he goes, you know, this is what they do. We need to take get power play goals. And I asked, I, are you worried about, you know, the power play? And he said, uh, no, no, I'm not. And, and it was funny. I mean, it's great prognostication. And then he said, you know, if a team wants to play us rough like this team wants to play us, we'll do that. If a team wants to play us the way Winnipeg did, He'll do that. And he truly believes it. Like, whatever the game is, bring it on. We're, we can do it. Yeah. I remember it was a couple of weeks ago when Toronto was in town because of Ryan Reeves, former yeah. Minnesota Wild. And, you know, the question was, does your power play have to be your tough guy if you're not going to employ that? And most teams don't anymore. That role's really faded. There's still some of it. And he pointed out as well that intimidation is always going to be a part of our game. Now, what yeah. form that intimidation comes in is is different in different locales than that, but it's it's always still going to be a part of it. Um, but you can't be stupid with it. Uh, otherwise, it's just incredibly penal. Uh, but the, the idea that that you're just going to have a four-minute guy at the end of your bench doesn't really jibe with the way the game is played now, certainly not the way the Stars want to play it. Right. And as we saw in that series, the power play of the Stars can truly be a deterrent and can change the opposition's style because of it. And, they, I mean, last night was just a crushing, and that was something else. Uh, but, you know, the the whole idea of of having a power play that that can cause the op- either win games or cause the opposition to just get off their rails a little bit is is a super strength. It's like a super strength. And the yeah. stars have a special team super strength. Oh, my God. I feel like KTL special. It used to have the super slider snow skates back in the day used to sell at Christmas time. Now they have this super special team spectac going on. And I mentioned before, I often quote Napoleon. There's a movie coming out with Napoleon Bonaparte, you know. And uh, his quote from the early 1800s, I believe it was, never interrupt your enemy when they're making a mistake. And the Stars certainly did not come in and stop things up in the <laughs> yeah. game last night as they score five power play goals. One minute and, into the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just, my God, just crazy. It was crazy how, how productive they were. One ought not repeat, offend, if you have no ability to fight the charge or clear your name. Here, here is the true crazy, though, Mike. In the last seven games against the Wild, regular season and playoffs, the Stars have gone 14 for 31, 45% against the Wild. You can smell the smoldering carcass of their PK. 
It's like burning hair up the nostrils. Flares them. The Stars power play yesterday jumped from 29th out of 32 teams in the league (laughs) to 17th in three periods. Well, they almost, well, no, I guess not double, but they uh, uh, improved their uh, output of the first 13 games by (laughs) more than double. So, yeah, it was a good day. The other interesting thing, and, you know, you don't want to criticize Minnesota because they've done a good job, but I don't know how you can continue to, you know, I know it's, it, this is our style. This is who we are, but I don't know how you can continue to play like that when you've had this much evidence that it's not working. You, you would think they would kind of say, all right, we're going to play a smart game. You know, we're going to just kind of try and win one to nothing in this one. Yeah. I, I, I suspect they try to, you know, no, they didn't yesterday. What <laughs> they do you came mean? right off the bat. They were trying to hit, you know, all over the place. Yeah, well, hit legal, but if you bulldog Raddick Fox right in front of the net, you're going to go off. That Correct. Um, it's, yeah, I mean, it, it is, it's hockey Harry carry is what it is. Yes. That's what it is. And as we've seen with the Stars, who have the number one penalty kill in the league and now are countering anything that the opposition has done with shorthanded goals, and if if you don't have good goaltending, you're gonna struggle. I don't I don't care what your system is, what the individuals are out in front, and that you need to get saves. Yes. And the stars get saves from Jake Ottinger and from Scott Wedgwood. It's a huge component of their Correct. number one ranked penalty kill. And God love him, Mark Andre Fleury. Every save looks like a miracle for him. Yeah, he right had now. like five great ones though too. A couple yeah. of those breakaways. Uh, yeah. I mean, the end comes for everyone. Yeah. I, I mean, back to your point about the way that you play. I mean, can you, the, the penalty that they assessed to him <laughs> when he came out and, and you know, he's, his job is to stop the puck. He came out and he ends up toppling uh, Rope hints and gets a tripping minor on a night where you have you have one of the greatest goaltenders in the history, really late in his career, getting caved in by the Stars' power play. They could have looked the other way on that one, but they didn't, yeah. and they load up the. They actually killed that one off, which is yeah, that was a, you know, the, kind of ironic. But the goalie yeah um, uh, kills his own. Yeah, but anyway, it's yeah. When did they see the wild again? <laughs> I think it's a, they were here, obviously, and then we go back, I think, in January. Yeah. I got to go right. look at the schedule. But. <clears throat> well, it was, hey, get healthy night. No yeah. question about that. Uh, one thing I'd like to muse with you about is the passing of the line driving wheel, if you will. Okay. When you stop and think about it now, you you look at some of these terrific veteran players that the stars have like Joe Pavelski for most of his career, you would look at Joe and say, he's driving his line, right? Correct. I mean, he played center for a long time. He's been almost exclusively at wing with the stars, which is another thing that is thick in the NHL now where even if you're listed as a center, even if you've been a center, you're on a wing. Every team seems to have like 
11 team center icemen. And, and yet there's only four that are actual center icemen right. on the, on the sheet, but he doesn't really drive his line anymore. Important. Hey, look, incredibly important to everything, of course, but not the main driver. That's probably Rope or yep. maybe Jason Robertson on that yep. line. Jamie Ben no longer really drives his line. That's Wyatt's line. Certainly Definitely. after this weekend, that's why yeah. it's line, right? I mean, Jamie is a rugged shotgun support mechanism, of course, but it feels like why it's the guy that drives things. Yep. Tyler Sagan, he doesn't really drive his line. He is four years removed from last leading the stars in scoring. The addition of Duchesne has been world-class, up-tempo, you know, six-skill, LFG guy. Yep. And uh, and yet, with all of this, it's okay. It's not slander. The old guard embraces it instead of bristling at it. You know, sometimes you get this circumstance and, and they don't do that. Correct. You know, they need to be the guy. And when you, when you get a circumstance like what the stars have going on right now, where they don't have to do that and they're okay with the role that they're in in that. Um, and with success, salary hierarchy is ignored. It doesn't yeah. matter. You know, you're, you're winning, but I, I think it's, I think it's huge kudos to those individuals that have been able to just go. Yeah, no, this, this is all good. Great teams to me have that crap teams. Don't. Yes. Uh, Brett Hall back in the day, uh, I said, cause Scotty put him on a line with these two rookie kids and uh, and I said, uh, but, you know, you really you really I, I'm very impressed by you for being able to do that. He goes, well, they were pretty good kids. It was Dotsuk <laughs> and Zetterberg. But no one knew them at the time that yeah, they were Dotsuk yeah, and Zetterberg. That's a great example. That's and, a great and, example. But, and so then you look at Joe Pavelski and say, of course, I will allow Rope Hintz and Jason Robertson to you know have more of the share. And you look at Jamie and you go like I just look at them when they're out there in the PK. And how good they are, uh, Jamie and, and Wyatt together. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and so Jamie, he's playing a huge role in helping all of this. And then the other part of all this is they want to win. Joe Pavelski doesn't have a cup. Jamie Ben doesn't have a cup. And, you know, so whatever it takes to get that cup, I think they're going to do it. And, and you know, it's impressive. Uh, the, you know, the fact that they do this, not only, you know, just letting those guys do it, helping those guys basically take their minutes. Yeah. Mature. Yes. Or mature. Mature. Is that how you say it? Mature. Uh, French, yes. And isn't yes. it French? <laughs> yes. It's a more euphonious sound when you say mature. Uh, the first coach got fired, Mike. Oilers made their move. Goalies get more coaches fired than, I think, witches at the Inquisition. Is that a good <laughs> analogy? Yeah, it's a... Goes right there with your Napoleon stuff. You're, you're, I think it does. I'm very. You're, ed you're very educating the kids. Yeah, today. 1700s, 1800s. <laughs> very modern podcast today. So they hired McDavid's junior coach from the Erie Otter days, Chris Knobloch, which had a bunch of people saying, "I, I." They hired a second baseman. Did Knobloch play second? <laughs> I don't know. He was with the Twins, wasn't he? Uh, interesting days, though, up there in oil country, McDavid. Not knowing anything, just, 
you know, again, spitballing. McDavid moves into LeBron territory with this, doesn't it? <laughs> with well, it's so, and again, I don't know how honest they are. Clearly, they hear the the management hears people talking about this, and you know, both the president and, and the GM yesterday said. We didn't consult with the players at all. This was our decision. We made the decision. Now, they may have done it to make McDavid happy, um, but they were very outspoken in that we don't ask the players in the they were saying, you know, we don't even think the players want that power. We think that they just want us to do the job and then they just want to play hockey. And, you know, knowing some of the players, you know, I think that might be true. McDavid seems like a very unassuming guy who just, you know, wants to do what he does on the ice. Um, but it is, I mean, it's really hard to look from the outside and say this move wasn't made to make McDavid happy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I would find it shocking if, if management doesn't at least get some information from their yeah. players. It'd be like, like Pete DeBoer coming in here. I would I would assume that there was a conversation with Joe Pavelski. There was. Right? Who, yeah. who played under him in that. That just makes sense. This is getting now, what, five different coaches for Connor McDavid since 2019. <laughs> it's hard. Man, just trying to get it right. Stars don't see them again until after Valentine's Day. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Whatever's going to go on is going to go on in the distance. Stars went in there and... We're able to tack on another loss to them in Edmonton, relied heavily on Wedgwood in that third period. But they, I mean, they just looked like things were wrong. Yeah. Things were not going well. I think it can get fixed. I really do. I don't know why I'm, I'm bullish on, on the Oilers. Yeah. Uh, there's two two things here. I'm going to do my Daryl Ray numbers here. All right. So the, the stars went into that road trip uh, uh, with their power play. At 9.1% when they were 25% last year. Their face-offs at 49 when they were 54 last year. Uh, the slow start when they were a fast-starting team last year. And they fixed it because, you know what? Those are their strength. They, can, they should be able to rely on that. Well, the Oilers right now are at 2.68 goals per game, 26th in the league. They were 3.98 first in the league last year. The power play is not horrible this year at 23.9, but they were 32.4 last year. So if they just fix the things that they're good at, I think they'll automatically become a better team. Now, there's still the defense and the goaltending, but they, you know, they won with the, those issues being issues last year. And, you know, it's one of those things back when the Stars couldn't score. If you just get to the middle of the, of the pack with your goaltending and defense, the offense will carry you. So I just think this is a team that should be good offensively and will be good offensively. And then I look at Tockett uh, in, in Vancouver and say, you know, sometimes changing the coach can be a really, really big change to everything. So that's me. That's me being positive about the Oilers. I'm sorry, did you say something? No, no. 46.73% of all statistics are meaningless, Mike. Remember <laughs> that after that diet drive. Yeah. Those are, those are important numbers. They could potentially, if they did get their act together and, and make the playoffs, be another one of those nightmarish eight seeds. <laughs> you yes. Know? A lot of hockey going on what a racket that nhl coaching is too yes well not as good as college coaching but that's what i (laughs) want i want to get me some of that i I said to our guys yesterday 
man, we should all went into college football coaching and not been very good at it. <laughs> 80 million comes your way. And sit on the beach. 80 million, have- like $77 yeah. million. I did a story. This was probably God. 15 years ago, 10 years ago on uh, Tom Hicks. Uh, Cause he owned the Rangers at the time and he was paying like six people to not play for him, you know, including Bill Guerin. And, you know, I was just talking to the players. Isn't this the greatest thing in the world? You get paid money to not, you know, not even play. And Bill Guerin said it was the worst thing ever. Like he goes, he just, he goes, I went there. I thought I was going to win a Stanley cup and now they're paying me money to not play for them. He goes, yeah. you know, it sounds great. He goes, but it really hurts your ego. So there are two sides to it. Hurt your ego helps your pocketbook. Indeed. Bill's doing pretty good right now, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone should get bought out once in their life. (laughs) That's one of my mantras. Get bought out once. Uh, Hey, what do you think about the way games have been ref so far this year? You know, I've tried really hard to just let, to be honest with you, even on the broadcast, I'm like, whatever, whatever they call I'll shut up and let them, they walk over and, or skate over and open up their mics and announce the penalty. And I'm like, go ahead. I mean, it's not going to change anything. We can, we'll show it, I guess. Again, it's not going to change anything. It's just power play penalty kill. Yeah. But what have you thought? Well, and again, it's all anecdotal because you'll pick out one that really bothers you. Uh, The uh, Harley high stick uh, when the was the Winnipeg player, Columbus player, told the ref, yeah, he, it didn't hit my face. And he still gives out matching minors. You're just like, what? Like, so I he know. told the ref, no, it didn't hit my face. And, you know, at that point in time, you can just say, okay, no, oh, we uh, saw the video. We're not going to, we're not going to have a penalty. We'll just stop this and do a face off at center ice. But no, he gives out two penalties. So I no, don't know. They have no flags. They can't pick up the flag. Like yeah, they I do know. In the NFL. Uh, although they can consult with one another, they can yeah. have their little little cadre by the. Well, and again, like delay of game, we've seen that where you know they'll go back and say, "No, no, it hit a stick right. or whatever," and because right. the hand was up, but you know they changed their mind. Yeah, that was a bizarre one with with Harley, uh, and hope I hope he's okay. I hope it's just yeah. just superficial and and cosmetic and not structural. Man, that was a nasty hit in Ugh. the corner. I hate that. I hate that one. Two uh, two things. With that, that come to mind. One, I, I, I should check. There used to I, I, I read through the NHL record book years ago. You can actually get a five minute major for slashing without ever contacting the player. Really? Yes, it was in there. Like you don't have to actually make contact. I guess if it's just a wild and- swing at their head, you can end up you can end up with that. And I found that bizarre. Now you watch that and they're they're trying to figure out what it went yeah. on in real time and you know the the kid Fantilli throws his head like like a nag and uh it looks like he contacted him in the face instead it was yeah. just a in real time it was just a a close call a close shave as they say it wasn't <laughs> even a shave no. didn't even touch a whisker and he's trying to help him out. I remember um, Kale McCarr tried that once, right? He, he got tripped up and he was trying to tell the refs that he just fell. Yeah, it was and, my fault. Yeah, they can't do anything about it. But uh, a lot of perxed and kind of pissed off players. Yes. That's hey, sly alliteration about, by me. 
I was yeah. trying to move into another thing, but yes, Mike, go I, ahead. I, was gonna, that's, I knew you were, so I'm going to stop you just for a second. I'm going to try to remember what or- it was. When this organization was the big crybaby organization, like it was, like it was a little bit embarrassing that they would always be on the bench chirping at the refs, da 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 da, and, and then the fans jumped on board. And it's funny because you say that you're just sitting there going like, yeah, whatever, penalties a penalty. I think the coaching staff has helped that. I think the fact that that's a oh, veteran no coaching question. staff. Yeah, that they're just like, whatever, we'll kill it. And then let's just move forward. And we're not going to make a big deal out of this. It's a great feeling. Like I consider myself, quote unquote, a fan, even though I'm, you know, but it's a great feeling as somebody who represents the organization to not be the crybaby organization, because that's a bad feeling when you're going into other people's barns and they're just talking about, oh, you're divers or you're crybabies or you're this or you're that. And this organization right now doesn't seem to be that way. Correct. But it's. It's not good for television. <laughs> <laughs> Ranting. You want, you want people to discombobulated read the coaches, lips. coaches and <laughs> and apoplectic players are the best thing ever oh, for video. Yeah. <laughs> when everybody just falls in line and just accepts things and is placid and stoic, that's no fun. It's no fun, you, Mike. You need Glenn You're Gullis. a writer, not a broadcaster. On the ice. Uh Hey, the the point I was going to make about about Thomas Harley. So he gets run from behind. Was that was it Duhame or yeah. was it Dewar? I get my I D's wrong. With, and mix yeah, they, they both anyway. sound exactly the same. I think it was Duhame, and they kind of play the same way. The yeah. so he gets he gets nailed from behind and violently cracks his cheek or frenulum or upper lip or nose or whatever, maybe all of it on the, the dasher, the top of the boards where the boards meet the glass. And back in the day, that thing was like a counter, like pucks would, would end up being frozen on it because they could, they could sit on there. Like the entirety of the puck would just sit on top of that and they'd have to blow it down. And it was obviously dangerous. It was like, do you ever eat those popsicles back in the day and, and you'd, whack them on the edge of the counter so you could share with a friend. Maybe you didn't have any friends. Maybe you don't like to share. I didn't have friends. No, I I kept the popsicles for myself. Anyway, this is what we did in rural uh, Canada, I guess in the summertime, you'd get this popsicle. They have, there's, there's two sticks in it and you just put it on the edge of the counter and give it a whack. And then that way you could hand one half to somebody and you could eat the other half. Yeah. Well, that's what the the edge of that thing was like back in the day. So Bob Gainey, who was one of the most cerebral hockey people ever, when they were building American Airlines Center, wanted that to be, A, rounded a little bit, less of a, a right angle there, and move the glass out to where a puck couldn't sit on the edge of that. So right. not flush, but... But a little, a little less like, well, unlikely that any puck is going to stay on on top of there, and more safety for the player. Yeah, and you watch that last night, and I'm sure it's been adopted elsewhere, uh, but that may have saved uh, Thomas from even deeper damage. Uh, yeah. If that if that was if that's the case there as well. No, it's smart. Wow. I, I like safety. Good insight, Mike. Thank you. 
Uh, I've watched you measure things and uh, go around the <laughs> rink and and look at uh, different things. So I understand how, you know, you really do look deep into this stuff. And, and it is important to make little tweaks. I mean, I think was it Brendan who hit the, the corner glass there in Arizona or whatever it was. And then, you know, the next year they had the corner glass around the bench that was rounded. Right. Uh, right. You, know, you just be smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other, this is just an observation. One other thing from last night in Minnesota, wild players who are allowed to still go bucketless in warm-up wore hockey fight, fights cancer. Is there hockey fights cancer night? Correct. They wore hockey fights cancer ball caps in warm-up to get around the league's policy on not allowing the jerseys that teams used to Correct. wear in warm-up for various causes and that. And I was just like... It's just so hockey and hockey players, isn't it? It's like, oh, yeah, we're not allowed to do that? Well, how about this? Yeah. <laughs> now I suspect there will be a rule about ball caps and warm-up. Nah, we'll see. I, it's I hard hope not. to believe. I hope not. I really hope not. Let them, let them have at it. There aren't that ma- Look, there aren't going to be that many guys left that don't have their helmets on in warm-up anyway as that rule yeah. comes in. Uh, there aren't many. Stars are pretty significant with that. We used to gauge... Uh, it wasn't scientific, Mike, but we used to gauge which team is more likely to win the hockey game by the number of players bucketless in warm-up. That seems like an old school type of uh, very much so measure of machismo. Mm. Used to be like a lineup in front of the mirror in the dressing room getting ready for warm-up. Bucket list. Jamie's no, hair is Jamie's hair is impeccable oh, and worn up. I don't God. know what if it's bear grease oh. or whatever he puts on there. <laughs> we should check into that. Are you usually are you using uh, grizzly mucus to go through that flow? To slick it back. Oh, that that is that that is a menacing, handsome look that yeah. he has going in warm up. I'm telling you. Guys, spend some time. There's some prepping yeah, that goes on. And it's going away, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Unfortunately. Uh, lastly, let's talk Hall of Fame weekend because the induction ceremony is tonight in Toronto at the Hockey Hall of Fame. And it's a goalie thick induction group this year. Three of them going in. Uh, they, speaking of handsome, speaking of flow. <laughs> I was talking about Mike Vernon. Who are you thinking of, Mike? Oh, I was thinking of you, to tell you the truth. Uh, Don't you have uh, some of those vests that have buttons uh, all up and down the left and right and middle? Oh, easy on the eyes. Henrik Lundqvist going in. He's just like he picks his outfit to match the blazer. Like everybody else just wears their suit and then puts a blazer on. He's he's got the same color tone and everything like that. What did I tell you yesterday? Because you you look pretty good. I mean, for you. For in me. the in the press box yesterday, and I corrected myself because yeah. I looked at you up and down. You were on the phone, and I said that you matched, which yeah. is a faux pas on my part. You never match. You never want to match. Correct. When you're dressing, you want things to go together. There you go. Yeah. My uh, ensemble. Well, well, going into the Hall of Fame together will be Henrik Lundqvist. The uh, man, what a debut he had. Tom Barrasso, back in the day, 
right from Acton Boxborough High School. He played there with our producer, John oh, Norton. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And uh, that year, as a 19-year-old, he won the Vesna and Calder. As a 19-year-old, out of high school. That was incredible. They used to do and that then, back in the day. And then the little peanut, Mike Vernon, uh, who was a Calgary, Fl- uh, Calgary Flame and uh, Detroit Red Wing mostly, um, yeah. from memory. I mean, Vernie's like 5'8". What a different world that was back then that guys could play that position at, at that size. And uh, it's changed. Former star Pierre Turgeon going in. Very nice. Nice, nice human being. Yes. Happy for him. And of course, Hitch on the the uh, builder side, I guess, right? They sure. don't have a coach's category. It's just builder. Yeah. If you want, if any of you out there want to read a sensational, all encompassing article on Ken Hitchcock, do yourself a favor and find and read Jim Matheson's piece on Hitch. Man, that is that is a long, detailed run of Hitch's life and his life in coaching. Uh, what did I tell you the other day? He coached for 33 years, starting with, I mean, he coached longer than that when he was coaching right. minor hockey in Edmonton. But when you you look at really his his coaching, quote unquote, career, it started with us in Kamloops in 84, 85, and ran all the way through to mopping up in Edmonton. Uh, so 33 years and... In that time, in the seasons where he started and finished behind the bench, so he didn't come in partway or he wasn't fired partway, he only missed the playoffs twice. One year, I think it was 07, 08, with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then Hitch 2.0 with the Stars in 17, 18 here. That's it. Every other yep. year, junior hockey – Miners, NHL, his teams made the playoffs. Pretty yeah. impressive. And one, one of my great memories is he gets in there, and I, I, this must have been in the, you know, where he came in the middle of the season. Uh, but we're in Anaheim like on a Sunday, and nobody's in the building. And it's uh, uh, just a practice. And uh, so he just brings them all into the middle of the ice and just starts tearing into them. And his basically the statement that was echoing throughout the arena was, uh, I am not effing interested in coaching a 500 team. He goes, and if you think it's okay to just come in here and be a 500 team, he goes, and you can just get the F out of here. And I mean, just uh, like on a roll. But you could tell at that point in time with that group of players who weren't, you know, you're not going to sit there and go, oh, that's a future Stanley Cup champion right there. But he was like, I don't care who you are. You better have the attitude that you want to win. And, you know, you can't just coast in here and say, oh, I'm just going to show up and and play OK. And uh, it was it was a great introduction into his mindset every single day. And, I'm you know, I'm sure you saw it close up uh, from the goal from the crease. So uh, he, he wanted to win. He always wanted to win. Yeah. Smart, smart hockey man. Really happy for him. Yeah. And uh, the organization, along with the St. Louis organization, threw him a bash last night up there in T.O. Uh, so good on them. We were busy watching the Stars score five power play goals and two shorthanded goals to demolish the Wild. 
Uh, Mike, give me your he should be in individuals. This is always a fun thing. I always find this a fun thing come Hall of Fame time where you can debate at snobs, whatever. Uh, yeah, some are. I think some certainly deserve to eventually at some point get invited invited to the club and inducted and all that. I'll I'll give you I'll give you my uh, two, and that'll allow you to think, Mike. While I'm going, yeah, because I'm drawing a blank right now. Are you? Well, yeah, my two were from your side of things. The Elmer Ferguson Award goes to Ooh. writers, right? Right. And the the guys, I, we're very Minnesota intensive on the old potty rush today. Mike Russo, Mike Russo needs to go into the yes. Hall of Fame in that category. The, he will. I know, but I went through and looked at it. And I'm like, how is he not in there already? Right. With the body of work that he's had and and the stuff that he pumps out on a daily basis. And Excellent. he embodies journalism. I mean, it's yeah. funny because, you know, as as I move on and become, you know, a little bit more of a cheerleader because I'm working for the team and all that kind of stuff. He does not mind flicking the nose of the Minnesota Wild. Like he embodies that element of I'm here for the fans and I'm going to, you know, if they're good, I'm going to tell you they're good. If they're bad, I'm going to tell you they're bad. And um, so, yeah, he would definitely be a candidate to go in. Uh, I know what to get you. I'll get you a new set of pom-poms. <laughs> the player side of things, Alexander McGillney. Listen to some of this, Mike. 473 goals in 990 games. He's 38th all time, all time in goals per game. In the early 90s, he scored 76 goals in 77 games, <laughs> led the league that year in 93. I think he, he finished with like 17 or 18 hat tricks. He won the Stanley Cup in 2000 with the Devils. I mean, I don't know. It seems kind of Hall of Fame-ish to me. And I'll also toss in Keith Kachuk. You know, power forward, goal scorer. Actually, actually, he could go in as a builder too, just for how prolific his seed has been in creating elite NHL talent, right? He might be a dual threat. He could go there in. You go. He could go in as a power forward goal scorer, American, and and also for his spawn, Brady Kachuk and Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> I don't think anybody's really broken down his scouting report quite that way, Daryl. <laughs> He'd have to go in, I guess, along with his wife. It shouldn't just be exactly. You know, it was a yeah. team effort. Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything? Anybody? No. You know, it's funny. The two that I really wanted were Zuboff and Carboneau, and and they both got in. And and I and I understand other organizations where the numbers might not be exactly you know what you want them to be. Uh, you know, like Mogilny, like he didn't play enough games, or he didn't you know have total career numbers, even though in his span his. The actual per season numbers were incredible. Yeah. But I look at guys like that where you look at Sergei Zuboff and you know, talk about Hitch always making the playoffs. Sergei Zuboff 
team always made the playoffs. And and he was a huge part of that. And and then Carbo is Carbo playing to what he did. So I was very happy with those two. Um, and I'd have to go tear apart some of the numbers and everything like that. And there's emotional ones. You, oh, my you God. We don't want you to go into another number tirade oh here, God. Mike. So, uh, you know, there's a certain broadcaster I know who probably needs to go in, but that's about it. Mickey Redman. You're right. Yeah. He should Detroit. go in. Been there forever. What's Mick now? He's got to be, he's got to be oh, he's, mid yeah. to late seventies. Probably. Yeah. Bingo, bingo, bongo. All Sarah's right. Well, the, the closest you and I will come to hall of fame goings on will be our power voting for the Dallas stars hall of fame. Yeah. Power brokers. You and I you think there's huh? a podcast hall of fame coming in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> uh, this won't get any consideration. I can guarantee you that. Uh, okay, Mike, we, we done for the week? I think. My God, I've been on the road a lot. I've been yeah. on the road a lot. A lot. It feels like But it you're bringing today. home wins. 7-1-1. One, and one. You're doing a good yeah, job. Yeah, I have. I've done it. Yep, yeah, I have done it. And looking forward to enjoying some home games and that throbbing pulsating environment that stars fans create at american Airlines center it feels like we haven't even really begun that no. yet you know it's been so weird with the schedule first and foremost back in october and then so road heavy here lately so throb away stars nation throb haven't we had like four one game homestands like it just doesn't even feel like a home I game. I think you're sometimes. incorrect with that, but uh, okay, yeah, sorry about sure. That. Why not? Fake news. Yeah, let them throb, let them palpitate, let them pulsate. You too, Mike, and go stars. You've been on the Podman Rush with Razor Ray and Mike Ica, presented by Kingsville Brewery, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things Texas hockey, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. Good fun, good times. Mike, get some rest. You must be exhausted. Everything is bigger and better in Texas, including Dallas Stars Victory Club memberships presented by Lexus. Victory Club honors generations of the most devoted Stars fans with bigger savings, better perks, and unbeatable flexibility. Become a part of history and join the loudest, greatest, and most dynamic Dallas fans by becoming a Victory Club member today. Visit DallasStars.com for more info.